All right. Hello, and welcome to another fun-filled edition of the Tech Petition Podcast. My name is Kerry Brown, and I'm joined with, I'm joined by my brother Clarence. How's it going, man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, happy to be back on another Tech Petition Podcast. How about you, dude? How you doing? Uh, feeling good. Slowly creeping up on this holiday weekend, um, which I will spend at my house. Yeah, yeah, but- <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like most people, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I'm lucky. Um yeah, there was this guy. His um, he was in a a, a, a two engine Cessna plane. He crashed like half a mile from my house and crashed and died. So what? You know, it was crazy. I saw. I was driving down the um highway and I saw this smoke and I wonder what it was. So I got home online on my way back home. The road was blocked, so I had to drive like all the way around the world to get home. And then um, got on the got online and looked, and yeah, sure enough, some guy crashed his plane. And died, so yeah. Do you stay near the country? Um, I'm kind of on the outskirts of Round Rock. Um, but okay, yeah. So I'm in North Round Rock, so it's yeah, it's it's pretty much north 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 Austin. So yeah, it was just crazy. I thought it was worth noting. What's going on in your neck of the woods, sir? Oh man, just the same old, same old. Trying to stay COVID free like everybody else, but other than that, man, nothing really special going on on my end, dude. I know, I know. Okay, well, let's get started. Um, you want to lead us off? Yeah, man. So, um, YouTube raised, or YouTube TV, I should say, uh, their live TV streaming service raised their prices over the past week, and people didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, YouTube TV has raised their prices once again from 50 bucks a month to 64.99 a month. The price raise or the rise in price was announced as the service added an additional um, slew of channels which are centered around Viacom, CBS, like BTC, CMT, Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing is with this service, the cost has has gone up like every year when it originally came out it was, it was kind of a sweet deal because it was only $35 yeah. of course they didn't have all the channels from the jump but they were uh, uh, competing with other services such as Sling and um, I think Hulu may have been around the time that you know were providing similar types of service so it went from $35 to $40 when they added like the Turner Network channels and then it went from $40 to $50 when they added the Discovery Network channels. And now it's taking yet again another jump from $50 to $64.99. And once you look at that price, as you can attest, that's getting pretty close to regular cable, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say is that is at this point, is there any reason to get YouTube TV over what I have now, you first? There's no reason. Man, um, no. The, it's literally the same price. That I pay for cable TV. Like, and I have more stuff. So there's no reason to change now. Yeah. At least not I mean, from this. I mean, if they are adding these, what they're calling value adds to the service, they should make it optional. You know, I know it's not like a, a movie channel that you're ad- adding, but Sling has options to add different packs and kind of configure your yeah. service uh, based on what you want or what you watch. The fact that they're doing this across the board for everybody uh, feels kind of weird, to say the least. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the the um, VP of product, Christian Ocean, I'm probably saying that wrong, 
stated that the new price reflects the rising cost and content, and we believe it reflects the complete value that YouTube TV adds. So um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm. <laughs> this nope. seems like we're going in the wrong direction. I know. Nope. <laughs> okay, so uh, uh-huh. I feel like some of these services are getting dangerously close to cable TV. Um, this one obviously, but um, the thing is, um, one of one of the 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 draws to these online streaming services is the price. So I feel like once you get over twenty dollars, you're kind of playing with fire in some senses. Because, I mean, unless you do something like Sling, where I can still get around 35 bucks and pick which packages I want, um, that makes more sense than this. Because, I mean, if you just, there's no reason to get this over cable television. There's like none. Yeah. Unless I mean, I'm other, missing well, something. Unless I'm missing I, I, something. I will say there's the easy use. There's the, you can cancel pretty much any time and, you know, which I guess you could do with cable too, but there's... Uh, it sends the additional hassle of having somebody come out and actually turn on and turn off your cable. So there's still slight advantages, ah. but it's next to nil. <laughs> well, I mean, AT&T has this new service. I think it's called AT&T. Is it AT&T TV? Where it's basically over IP. So um, what that means is it's live streaming and nobody has to come to your house. They send you these units. It's basically like a, a sling box or or a, I mean it's effectively like having a, a um Roku or something attached because it connects to Wi-Fi and it streams everything over IP. So there's nothing for anybody to come to your house and install. Um, and it's it's about the same price. It might actually even be cheaper. I know in, the introductory price was really reasonable. I think it's like thirty five bucks a month or something. Like it's very reasonable. Um, yeah. And I don't, again, you know, like, I don't see any reason to cut the cord for this. That's all I'm saying is because you can get some comparable stuff for better prices or the same price. And I mean, one of the reasons to cut the cord is you have a bunch of channels you're paying for that you're not watching. Like, that's one of the reasons to cut the cord. And this is just repeating that. I don't know. I don't like it. I mean, you still I think you still have options, but it's not going to be live TV, you know. Uh, the company I work for, which I won't mention, they have a similar service, which, you know, I think it is $65. So I think YouTube may have been eating a lot of the cost on this early on. And, and still, you know, they're adding value, which if you want to, instead of adding that uh, additional 15 bucks for the CBS channels, you can just go get CBS All Access for nine dollars. So, so uh, it's weird, man. Or five it's and weird. just watch the ads like you would do on YouTube TV. <laughs> I'm, I know this is an ad yeah. free, especially yeah. if you're showing broadcast television. You might as well, you know. Uh, no which doubt. $50 in itself is kind of a big ask for me, even before the price hike. That's still kind of getting up there. but Yeah. No, they, they definitely were pushing it at 50 Uh 64 is kind of out of question. So I, I feel like a lot of people are going to move away and... Who knows is if our live TV over the internet future is something that can actually be attained. <laughs> I don't know. Very true. Very true. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll do. I don't have much to talk about, but I'll do my story next. Um, so we've kind of talked about like recently how there are rumors that Apple was switching to ARM. Um, they had I can't remember what it's called. Like, was it their WWDC that they had online? I believe that's yeah. what it was. It, 
Um, in the keynote, Tim Cook officially announced their move to ARM, but they're not calling it ARM. They're calling it Apple <laughs> Silicon. Quote, Apple air, Silicon. <laughs> air quotes, Dr. Evil, Apple Silicon. Um, but um, it's basically a custom ARM chip designed by Apple. And um, uh, if you've been a Mac user off and on for the last 20 or so years, this probably sounds very, very familiar. Um, yeah. They used to use custom PowerPC chips, which was an architecture um, created by IBM. Um, but they had their own custom chips that they were putting in their Macintosh computers. Uh, and then eventually, I think it was like the early odds. I can't remember what ex exactly what year it was. Maybe it was around 2004, something like that. They decided to move to Intel. Yeah. And there was this transition plan. About two years is what it took. And this is this is what they had just announced. Um, it's going to take about two years to make the full transition, um, which means if you have an uh, a Intel Mac, it will be supported for the next two years. And then after that, you're just out of luck because they're not going to be releasing software for it. They, I mean, the, Apple pretty much draws a line in the sand. Um, so I don't I don't expect anything different with this. Um, so, yeah, it's confirmed that they're moving the arm. Um, and they're probably, it looks like they're looking to converge Mac OS and iOS and iPad OS, like to all kind of be the same thing. Um, have a unified ecosystem is the way they put it. And they yeah. also touted, um, better performance, um, which in some ways makes sense because their arm, their a, a Apple, a 12 or a X, whatever you want to call it. Their a yeah. chips are very, very great at on phones anyway, they perform very, very well. So I think it makes sense. What do you think? Yeah, I think it does, but I get a little weird when we talk about the, the desktops also making the move, uh, the desktop towers. Uh, it seems a little weird for the workhorse PCs to be running Apple Silicon. They are, I'm sure they can make it work, <laughs> but it still feels weird to not have that power of AMD or Intel uh, pushing, well, Intel exclusively, exclusively in there and for Apple uh, pushing, pushing uh, their software and not, I mean, I, I guess it's fine for their software, but I guess I'm more concerned about the other third party um, software companies that are actually producing software for Apple and how will that transition? How will the Adobe Premieres and other, you know, heavy applications are going to run on, on their hardware? I don't know. Maybe it might work well. well <laughs> I mean, if I may interject, one thing I will say about Apple, Apple hardware in general, um, is they never have used the latest and greatest CPUs. They they never have. Like, since they moved yeah. to Intel, I mean, and of course, the, the PowerPC stuff was underpowered, but it was kind of hard to make a comparison because it's a different architecture. But especially with the Intel stuff, they've never been using the latest, greatest, most powerful chips in their systems. Yeah. And that that would be my first thing to offer you. And the second thing would be the the reason you move to Mac is not necessarily to have the best hardware it's because they, you know, it's kind of like a game console. I, I, I hate to say this, but Apple's kind of like the game console of PCs, if that makes any sense, because they have a closed ecosystem, set set of hardware. They're, you know, their hardware is set. They know exactly what they're developing for, and their software stack is rock solid. 
Um, one example that I can give of this is their audio stack, um, Core Audio. It's yeah. so much better than Windows Windows WDM. It's like it's it's ages ahead of it. A lot of like um, uh, recording interfaces, um, Core Audio. Conf- like there's it's a certain spec, um, certain audio spec that a lot of these auto devices conform to, where you don't even have to install a driver you can just plug it in like the the one i have now the solid state logic ssl2 um i had to install a driver for this on windows but i believe i could just plug it into a mac and it'll work that's um, pretty sweet so their software stack is rock solid it's built off of unix or i should say bsd for the um nitpickers out there it's built off of bsd which is a variation of unix and um it's rock solid so i feel like personally that if they can custom design this chip to take advantage of whatever kind of software stack they have and fully utilize it, that in the long run, I don't know about the ones coming out this year, but I feel like in the long run, it's gonna it's gonna put them ahead. Um, and it may even make the Mac the go-to media media beast that it was. Because I mean, in the early nineties or the late nineties, early two thousands, Macs weren't the most powerful machines, but but, but a lot of professionals use them. Because of the stability, and like I said, the 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 solid hard, the solid software stack, um, and the reliability, like those are some of the things that made Mac users Mac users, and some of their applications like Logic X and um, what's the Final Cut? Um, I yeah. feel like they will be they will make a custom ARM version or Apple Silicon version of those applications to fully take advantage of whatever hardware they put out there, and. I really think this is going to work. I was I was big on it when we talked about it before, though. So I guess that shouldn't come as a surprise, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I mean, and I will add that them creating their own um, their own chip. Uh, it 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 Apple is already like you mentioned, pretty much like a a closed system. I won't say console, but <laughs> but they they can they Sorry, control. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but they control every bit of it. They yeah. control every bit of it. Even I mean, Microsoft has also tried to push. I think they're calling their neck their ARM version of Windows Windows X. Um, I believe that's what they're calling it. But they're 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 trying to put that out there. They put out some ARM hardware last year. To, to see if they can make the conversion, even the ARM version of the Surface that's out there right now. So they can control that. But the problem is once you get past that little small uh, subset of, you know, ARM certified devices out there, uh, it's going to be almost impossible for them to change everything because they don't control the full loop. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, one of the added values of, of working in the Apple Apple ecosystem is they control everything. And they're going to take that last bit of control from <laughs> from Intel and say, like they've done with the iPad and the iPhone, we're going to control our desktops and laptops, too. So, hey, more power to them. Yeah. And don't get it twisted. Like Apple's Apple's chips, especially their graphics chips for their tablets and phones. They are amazing. They are wonderful. Um, and if they can take that and scale it up to like a laptop, it could be a huge deal because a lot, a lot of these iPhones and iPads are, are effectively more powerful than some people's computers and laptops because yeah. mostly because of the software optimizations, but the, the hardware is nothing to sneeze at. Um, one other thing I want to touch on with this is they talk a lot about the transition um, and it's a lot of the same stuff Steve Jobs talked about when they decided to move the Intel. Um, 
Native apps already work on Apple Silicon, which is the same thing that happened when they moved to Intel. All the native Apple apps will they they're already working. Um and it says they're working with Microsoft and Adobe to um you know, they're working with them to yeah. come up with um ARM versions of those applications. Um and this is the part I want to talk about. The Mac apps that aren't ready will be run on Rosetta what they're calling Rosetta 2, which Bridge. is which is effectively virtualization. Yeah. Um, it's a software translation layer. I don't know if they want to call it a, a virtual. Well, you know, it's kind of like I want to say it's kind of like Wine, but it's kind of not because these are two separate architectures. Like on Linux, there's something called Wine that actually translates um, uh, Windows applications to, in order to work on Linux. But there's not a there's not a, a obfuscation of like hardware. So it's one 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 eighty six, whereas this is translate into a completely new architecture and it's the same thing they did when they moved to intel they called it rosetta this one's called rosetta 2 and one thing i I had a mac when they moved to intel and rosetta was it was almost unusable um for (laughs) for some applications it would it would be okay like um but for anything that like uses a decent amount of cpu power like say for instance something like photoshop or adobe premiere you could mm. you could kind of use it for something like uh, a desktop publishing thing like Word, but honestly, if it was it was not it 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 would it wasn't as good as using something like um I can't remember what they call their their app I think it's called Pages or something it it didn't perform as well as their native Pages app, um so I wouldn't lean on that if I were you if you were if you're a Mac user looking to get into this ARM Apple Silicon thing at the end of the year don't rely on that it, my advice would be to Look and see what applications are going to be available native before you buy one of these. And if there's something that you re- that you like to use and it's like critical to your workflow, I would not depend on Rosetta because you're probably talking about a, anywhere from a 25 to 40 percent performance hit for, from using that. Maybe even yeah. maybe even more in some cases. Um, so don't I know that they're touting Rosetta is is like everything you have will work. But trust me. From yeah. experience, don't rely on that. If there's something you use, wait till it's native. Um, and you know, all the big players are going to have their stuff out relatively fast. So, yeah, yeah. A, a few more points that I have, like uh, no more dual boot devices. Well, oh, not yeah. to Windows. Definitely anyway. you can, not. You can no. definitely get Linux going on there. I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, there no, are versions of Linux. I've actually got Linux running on my Raspberry Pi right now, so that that's a go. Yeah, so no dual boot the Windows, and I, I also have to wonder like where does this leave Intel? Now I know that Apple is just a small subset of all of the PCs they sell, but uh, this has to hurt them a little bit, right? Um, or they're not even blinking at this. Um, I wouldn't think it would hurt them that much, honestly. Mainly because Apple's not using their latest and greatest chips. Number one, number two, like desktop PCs in general is a small part of Intel's like portfolio their bread and butter is server chips and the only thing i would say the only reason i would say that this apple thing might hurt them is because amd with their epic chips they're really cutting into intel's server market so that combined with this you know it has the potential to really hurt them um and the fact that they're still on 14 nanometer process and they've been on it for like five or six years maybe even seven years i think skylight came out like 20 20 13 and 4. It, it's been out a long time. So 
all that stuff together, um, it could it could hurt Intel, but I don't I think Intel will be fine because they do more than just make CPUs. Um, they make network <laughs> chips. They make I mean they make network yeah. interfaces. They make Wi-Fi um interfaces. They make all kinds of other stuff. Um, so I think they'll be okay, but it, they'll definitely feel this. I I, I want to say that you know it may hurt them yeah. a little bit. Yeah, man, this is so crazy. This is so Apple. They'll use you know a company until they can do it themselves. And when I say that, I'm maybe on the iOS is what I'm thinking more so of these third party apps that get on their platform and they do real well and they just do it themselves. And, yeah, the know, next that. version of iOS <laughs> has it built in. Yeah. So this is like the hardware equivalent to that to me. But it's so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, two years from now, we'll, we'll see how it's going, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I almost, you know, they're shipping the dev kits. The Apple Silicon dev kits is basically a Mac mini. That's been out. It's basically a refurbished Mac Mini that's been retrofitted with the ARM processor. Yeah. Um, if you're a dev, you can get one for like five hundred bucks if you're in their developer program. Um, I'm really interested to see people run some benchmarks on that. I I know there's a few out. I didn't really really want to bring them up because I didn't see any like Intel comparisons. They were just all the ones I saw were just benchmarks running on the Apple Silicon. So. Um, I kind of, I'm, I'm going to be like watching this just to see, cause I may next year, I may, you know, get one just to try it out. Um, yeah. cause I'm really curious to see how they perform, you know, compared to current Macs. And it looks like you should be able to run. I think they even mentioned this in the keynote, like you can run native, um, they should be able to run native iOS apps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that's going to be really cool as well. Indeed. All right. Well, I'll talk about some Microsoft news. Two stories. Um, not as exciting as <laughs> Apple the Arm stuff. Uh, quite quite distress, distressing, actually. Uh, so Microsoft announced that it will close all 83 of its Microsoft Store locations, with the exceptions of store uh, locations in New York City, Sydney, London, and Redmond, where those locations are going to be reimagined as experience centers where they're not going <laughs> to sell any products. It says the company is going to focus on digital and their digital and their digital stores, which includes the Microsoft.com, the Windows store, the Xbox store as well, which they are saying serves 1.2 billion customers uh, monthly in 190 markets. So, you know, they're they're taking it all online, um, getting rid of the brick and mortar. And it's really curious to me because I think the reason they even went toward the whole brick and mortar is to try to be more like Apple. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've been to, I've been to many Microsoft stores. They're pretty freaking cool. Actually, it's kind of discouraging that, um, you know, it's going away. Oh, you don't, you you don't think they're cool. (laughs) Well, I'll just say when I moved to Kansas city, um, wow. Almost seven years ago. Uh, I live in Austin now, but when I moved to Kansas city, one of the things I was really looking forward to was going to a Microsoft store. And um, I went there like the first time we went to the mall that was close to where I lived. I went there uh-huh. one time. It was cool. But I there was nothing. That, I, I don't think I ever went back. I was I lived in Kansas City like five years, I think, five or six yeah. years. And I don't think I only went once and I never went back and. I, you know, I, I was thinking about that, you know, kind of when you were talking why I never went back. And I think I know why. Um, and, and it to me, it makes sense that they're closing these stores is because Microsoft is a software company. 
and they're yeah. they're transitioning into a services company. Whereas Apple is like they're a hardware company. They they sell laptops, they sell phones, they sell tablets, they sell iPods. I don't know if they still sell iPods, but they're a hardware company. Like, and Microsoft has dabbled in hardware, so you have like the Surface. Um, they have the Surface Book. Um, but they're not really, you know, they're not really a, a hardware company. I mean, they yeah, have well, they have a few things. They have I a few know, things. I, 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 I do most it. I do it. Go ahead. I was gonna say most of the stuff in the store is not Microsoft stuff. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. <laughs> I mean, other other than going in and I, admittedly, that's the things that I played with when I went in there was all the Surfy, and they do have some. They do have at their an Xbox section and a gaming section, which I thought was pretty cool as well. But then again, everything, all the phones in there are not Microsoft products. Yeah, they have like some VR stations set up. Mm-hmm. Other than the the Windows VR experience thing, which I think got canned, that yeah. we're not talking about anymore. The, it was the, all Oculus and things like that. Yeah, the mixed so, yeah, reality I mean, stuff. They don't even have a headset, not a Microsoft yeah. headset. It's just a spec. So yeah, yeah. So I mean, in that sense, you're completely right. I don't think. Even if somebody did have a sur- Surface, I don't think they're going to be going to an, an Apple store to try to get that. I mean, go to a Microsoft store like someone would go to an Apple store to try to get that fixed or looked at. You know, uh, I think it's different when you talk about people getting their phones activated and getting phones and getting iPads and getting watches. All of these are Apple products. So that's a reason to go into an Apple store, upgrade to the next one. Take a look at the new one before you get it, but you don't still you don't have that same um, anticipation and drive toward any of the surf- surface devices. Yeah. I mean, you probably get one surface every three or four years. Yeah, it's, it's not like a phone or an iPad. Yeah, they they have a product catalog with hardware in it, but to me, their hardware catalog isn't big enough to justify having like all these locations. It just doesn't. Yeah. To me, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, you, you're probably right. Yeah, I like going to the Microsoft. Store. I might, <laughs> I might be a shield. Uh, I, I enjoyed my experience there. Like, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed going there because they had an HTC Vive set up, um, uh, and I'd never seen one before. I hopped on a PlaySpace Power Trainer. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, I had a good, I had a good experience there. That's not my issue. My issue was there was nothing to really compel me to go back. I, yeah, I guess that's I mean, what I'm saying is they 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 don't they don't release hardware often enough. You yeah, know? I mean, you're probably right. And by the same token, I don't really go into Apple stores either unless I just want to go in there and play with the products for like 15 minutes. But but yeah, you're right. There's nothing compelling to really make you go in there. And, you know, people might think that um, why are they doing this right now? So they had already planned to do this by 2021, which it got accelerated by the whole COVID-19 and stores uh, shutting down as a result of, of COVID-19. So yeah, they already had it in the pipeline even before the pandemic. So I'm impressed yeah, that they man. had 83 locations, though. I didn't realize they had that many. Yeah, man, I I've been to several. <laughs> I know there's several in Dallas, <laughs> but yeah, wow. man. Yeah, and speaking of Microsoft shutting down things, oh boy. <laughs> So not too long ago, Microsoft bought Mixer and tried to make it their premier streaming platform for the Xbox. But alas, Microsoft will be closing Mixer and moving all existing partners over to Facebook. Facebook gaming? What? Is that a thing? Uh, (laughs) So uh, they tout the inability to compete with Twitch and YouTube, which was what led to the decision to shy away from Mixer. Um, So they had plenty of partners. So those partners are going to be moving on 
are going to be given Facebook partner status if they want to go. They might not want to go, which I'll get into in a second. And all balances and subscription credits will be doled out as Microsoft gift cards. So, um, again, like I said, Microsoft is going to be working closely with Facebook on this and Facebook gaming to transition over and even said they're going to be moving. some. they're going to premiere or utilize their Xbox or X cloud service on the Facebook platform as well. So I guess one of the biggest things about this besides the premiere Xbox or Microsoft streaming service closing is that uh, these creators, these partners that they had brought along and paid millions <laughs> to be on Mixer. And they Mixer. still have to pay them. <laughs> yeah. Such, such as Ninja Shroud and other streamers, uh, they still got to pay them. That's their contract. They got their, or they're going to get their payout. So they're going to get what's due to them. And, and those people are free to go to any streaming platform they choose to join. Ouch. Mm hmm. <laughs> and it's not like this happened a couple years ago. This was like almost a year and a half ago when they moved. It hasn't been that long. Maybe two. Yeah. It's been almost two years. No, it's been almost yeah. a year. It happened 2019. Yeah, it happened like mid 2019 is when they moved. So it hasn't been that long. I guess yeah. Microsoft quickly found out that the margins on streaming platforms are very thin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I, I think it may have been useful as far as them getting some of the uh, technology behind Mixer. Because one of the things that made Mixer a great choice before even before Microsoft bought them is that it was the latency between streaming and, you know, uh, viewer interaction was very low. So uh, who's to say they didn't use or take some of that technology and use it on their xCloud service? They probably did. So, yeah, that. They may have just bought it for the tech and not really for the platform, uh, which is sad to say, but, you know, it happens. I mean, I feel like this is like all those people spending money for podcasts. Like Spotify spent a lot of money to buy podcasts, podcasts um, and media companies. I think they bought Joe Rogan's podcast or they, they're yeah. paying him to exclusively put out his podcast on Spotify. I think Bill Simmons uh, site The Ringer. All their yeah. podcasts have been moved to Spotify. Media. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what they're expecting to get out of that. Because like, though, to me, those those platforms, I mean, they can make creators money, but I don't see how you can scale it up to make it profitable, profitable for for a company when you're paying somebody so much money to move over in the first place. I guess you can kind of play with their 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 reads their product placement because yeah. like that's where the money is it's not with like the leading and trailing ads that people skip it's with the the reads that they do in the actual video or the actual um podcast like that's yeah. where the money is so i don't know maybe 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 yeah i mean like you said on most of these things the margin is so small uh of course the streamers and the creators um come out well when they are pulled into these closed ecosystems. But then again, I mean, like, like you said, like, how is it really benefiting uh, the company that, that is are buying them? I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to build up their service first. They're trying fast, excuse me. They're trying to pull in these, these top creators across uh, various platforms, pull them in. And so they can uh, put their uh, uh, stake in the ground and say, okay, we are part of the conversation, but then again, um, maybe not so much in the case of Spotify. I think Spotify is doing good, but when I when you talk about Mixer, 
are the people that are supposed to be coming over with Ninja actually doing it? Are they staying? And Twitch is just such a beast, man. And in YouTube, on top of that, it's such a beast. And those are going to be hard things or hard platforms to bring down with anything new. It can happen, but not likely. Yeah. So, All yeah, right. th- there's some news that came out. So Facebook offered them a bunch of money to move to the Facebook gaming. Um, Ninja Shroud and another streamer called Loaded. Um, yeah, no. They all said no, and they forced Mixer yeah. to buy them out. So Ninja made $30 million. That's how much it cost God, to buy him out. Dang. Shroud, wow. they bought Shroud out for $10 million. So I, I don't. Mean, I think he just came on like six months ago or something. Well, I know he's been, he's a, um, I know he played Counter-Strike. I don't know what else he plays. But um, he's fairly well known. I don't think I don't know if he's known as much as Ninja. Well, well, well I'm saying he, he didn't come to Mixer, but recently I don't. Oh, think. I got you. Maybe that's yeah. why. Maybe that's why he didn't get as much. But that's crazy. Oh my god, these are streamers. <laughs> They're really. I mean, I don't watch Ninja, but I know Shroud is insanely good. So, um, yeah. I know Ninja's good at Fortnite. I don't know what else he plays, but Shroud is insanely good at um like Counter Strike and those games like that. So. Craziness, yeah. man. Freaking craziness. Yeah. All right. And, uh, Speaking I guess of I'll... Facebook. Oh, boy. And I don't really know how to frame this because this came out of nowhere for me. So everybody knows the current climate we're in um, with Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, excuse me. And um, just, you know, it, it's been rough lately. So a bunch of companies are boycotting Facebook. Yep. Boy, boycott, and I guess a more general boycott, boycotting advertising. I mean, uh, social media platforms. So the social media boycott, I mean, is 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 gained traction over the last few weeks, and companies that are participating in said boycott, boycott, excuse me, are companies such as Verizon, Starbucks, Microsoft, and Coca Cola, all pulling their ads from. Facebook and other social media platforms. So the, the the thing or the movement behind this, the campaign behind all this is stop hate for profit. And I'm going to try to read the byline here. Um, it's organized by the Anti-Defamation League and the NAACP and others, which aims at standing in solidarity, solidarity with our most deeply held American values of freedom, equality and justice by not advertising on Facebook services in the month of July. So they're trying to send Facebook a powerful message. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, your profits will never be worth promoting hate, bigotry, racism, anti-Semitism, and violence. So, oh man, this could go in so many directions. I mean, the problem uh, with Facebook is that they sell all. They make a lot of money selling ads to hate groups and stuff. And it's not just that. Like Facebook, in and of itself, they profit off of misinformation and drama. Like that's what yeah. they profit off of. Is people getting all pissed off and you know spouting vitriol and buying ads and like i mean that's how they make their money so i yeah. love this i think it's wonderful very interesting and even to the point to where they're how they're uh, categorizing news sources and, and legitimizing some news sources which some people i'm not gonna i mean some people may think these news sources are not the greatest or are are known to be deceiving and are known to be backed by hate groups and na- white nationalists, uh, such as the Breitbart, Breitbart and uh, the Daily Caller. So um, 
Yeah, and what's funny here is that I find so funny about this. Again, this movement comes out of nowhere, whereas the U.S. government has took Facebook to to uh, brought them to uh, before before our politicians to talk on these matters and try to give explanation for these matters. And that really, even though we had the spectacle at the time, you know, Zuckerberg, you know, all the, the data comments of Zuckerberg looking like data. I mean, we had all that. We had we had we had the we had the 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 media attention behind it at the time, but it really didn't go anywhere. I mean, Facebook promises to make some changes, but. I feel like the fact that we have the 2020 election on our uh, <laughs> at our feet right now, yeah. uh, it's, it's it's happening, and um, yeah, and that added with all of the recent uh, Black Lives Matter movements, and people just like had enough of um, false statements uh, being made and legitimized on these social media platforms, and it's kind of hard because I don't even know if. <sighs> I don't even know if we can really or how closely we can hold them to stuff that people are putting on their platforms as far as a normal person. But as far as the ad, you're taking money for this. Yeah, this movement has a good point. The stop hate for profit movement. Uh, they shouldn't be uh, profiting from uh, known um, violators of of, um, of of values that should be supported by all of these these social media platforms so yeah i find it's interesting and again to me it came out of nowhere yeah it really did and you know i I just want to make sure you understand me when i say that they profit off of that i meant that the fact that people get all angry and pissed off and the fact that they're like spitting all the vitriol you throw those ads in the mix that are being spread by all the hate groups you have half these people that post articles about stuff that isn't even true um that's you know that spread through facebook's ad you know yeah. and, and it's stuff that's deliberately false but it says what people want to hear for their argument so it just adds to the whole mess i guess that's where i'm going with that yeah yeah i mean it's almost like <laughs> i'm gonna equate this to like a newspaper if you guys remember what those are like if <laughs> if, if you had like some questionable ads in a just take like a magazine any magazine if it has some like questionable ads in the back you're gonna be like oh take <laughs> 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 me reading this magazine you know you know so yeah i think that this is kind of equivalent and yeah hopefully hopefully zuckerberg and the rest of the social media platforms can get their act together on this because uh it's high time indeed Cool. Well, it looks like we're through our story. Well, yeah, I I feel like maybe we should save the the second thing. I was going to talk about my build, and there's this whole drama going on about uh, the B550 chipset from AMD and how people are upset that the motherboards, some of the motherboards, the motherboards are more expensive than the previous generation B450. And I was going to go into a spill about why it makes sense that they're more expensive, but... I guess I'll have to save that for next time because we're running we're running a long time here. So um you have any parting gifts? Oh man, I'll say as always, just check out Discuss Network where we have um we're talking about Doctor Who and Star Trek and comics and uh that's at discussingnetwork.com. Heck yeah. And again, I, I kinda previewed it here a second ago, but um check out next podcast because we're gonna be talking about uh builds. PC builds. I want to talk about B550. There's kind of some drama going around there. I actually re-water cooled my PC. So that's another thing I want to get get into. So, you know, 
uh, stay tuned for the next episode and um, you'll get to hear some stuff about that. So um, that's it for this edition, though. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, any last words, Clarence? Nothing, man. Uh, thanks for joining. <laughs> thanks. We'll see you next time. Bye. Climb aboard the perilous journey of one man attempting to reach a distant world and the woman on Earth who battles endlessly to keep him alive. Mission Control, was that sound what I think it was? We're not sure yet, but we know it can't be good. Join the thousands of science fiction adventure fans who have discovered Relativity at RelativityPodcast.com. Relativity?